0: Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sachandrika and I'll be your host. In the 21st
1: century, everyone's kind of contributing to New Media, being a part of a story in a way. And that's what this Black Mirror episode is telling us as
0: well. Today, we'll be talking about the very first episode of Black Mirror the national anthem. I'll have a colleague Skyping in from Birmingham Live. His name is James Roger. He's an advanced content writer and he's a huge Black Mirror fan who watched this episode when it first came out on Channel 4 in 2011. Same as me. Um, He's hugely enthusiastic so I can't wait to get talking to him about it.
1: Black Mirror season one, it's probably my favourite series so uh, I'm really, really chuffed to be asked to come on and analyse it with you.
0: So before we get into the episode do you remember watching it for the first time on Channel 4
1: I do yeah and um, and it it's really stuck with me ever since that first episode I think the national anthem is so so kind of bold and so brave in its approach and also its premise and it, I, it's it's a really weird one to kind of introduce yourself to Black Mirror with. I always think, don't you?
0: It's it has a really different feel. When I rewatched it recently, it feels like the thick of it, which is a show that was on in the noughties in the UK, a political show looking at the relationship between government and journalism. It looks at like kind of the spin machine within government and how they they work on their comms to get out a certain story before another story breaks. And I'd say the the kind of grainy slightly documentary feel that was brought in with The Office in 2000-ish, that's kind of still there and that's not something we see anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously Charlie Brooker's, his history is in satire and things like that. So I guess this is kind of, this is very, very Brooker in a way, this kind of first series, um, especially this first episode. I mean, you look at some of the things that else that Charlie Brooker's done, like things like sc- uh, Screenwipe, and um, that kind of, um, they just take like a sideways glance at like, British culture, British television, and that—that's the thing about the national anthem as well. Aside from the title, it just feels very British when you watch it. I always think,
0: what kind of what kind of things jump out as as very British from it?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, there's the I think there's obviously the the whole you know damsel in distress um, princess kind of element. When I mean, when I was watch, re-watching it last week, when I watched it, I, I kind of automatically thought of Kate Middleton, um, and I, I think kind of that look at the kind of Prime Minister and like the the kind of uh, power struggle between the the monarchy and the Prime Minister is really interesting. Um, and I also think I'd, there's just something about it that just strikes me as this wouldn't have you couldn't do in this space in America. I mean, this wouldn't happen to the President, for instance. And you kind of see um, Brooker kind of undermining the uh, government throughout the whole episode. So you see, you know, them obviously that they fail in their um, attempt to. Um, get the DNA test on the finger, uh, which, which strikes me as quite basic, but they didn't do that. Um, and it's th- things like that, really. It's just, it's a really good sideways glance. And it, yeah, it just strikes me as, as quite like a dark and um, sadistic British sense of humour running throughout it, the whole episode, I always think.
0: And obviously the reaction of the British public is is very telling. They're kind of, there's a bit like the mob baying for his blood, but it's funnier than that. They want to stand in a pub, drink and... Law for this
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think that's the that's the kind of go home message that i took from it as well it's it's just it's how it affects the audience i mean you know um so they had no sympathy at all the princess was taken as a hostage and people were just sharing the video um you know someone cut the, the finger off on video yeah mass media will show that to you as well um the, you know and then obviously the the new one at the end watching the watching the prime minister um it just strikes, you know, people are like, almost like, why not? Let's go down the pub for it. It, it strikes me as it's just very, very relevant. I don't think it's dated at all, actually. And that's one of the things that I was a bit worried about re-watching Series 1. Because it, it did air, you know, a fair few years ago now. And watching each of the episodes, I, 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 it just strikes me as just timeless. And I think that is going to stand the test of time as well, when you, going into future decades. I think people will still be watching it.
0: I think I think the national anthem is the the one episode that's dated for me because it reminds me of the thick of it and famously the thick of it couldn't really work um, with the Tory Lib Dem coalition government and and now the Tory government we have because they're kind of beyond satire and just that picture of Theresa May holding Donald Trump's hand to me kind of symbolises our current government and that seems beyond any kind of satire Charlie Brooker would have dreamt up. It does feel dated to me, but not in a bad way. It feels like a bit of a period piece. And also in terms of Charlie Brooker's tone, he doesn't have that harsh tone anymore, really. He, he, there's a lot more sympathy in his later episodes, if not for every character.
1: I think that's a, I think that's a really good point, yeah. I mean, when you look at the latest episodes, it's almost as if like, I think Charlie Brooker has mellowed quite a lot when you look at the writing of Black Mirror but I also think it's I just, I, I, it's almost as if he he knows what we're going through in the real world so it's like he can't bear putting these horrible endings on us anymore so it's like he does drop in a couple of a, a really like feel good episodes later on, I mean, like, Hang the DJ and Sandra Pere, the, 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 the oh Black Museum as well um, so I do think that's a really interesting point, yeah I, I do think he's definitely, definitely mellowed though, um, as he's kind of As the series have progressed.
0: I think, yeah, world events of, number one, tech has um, evolved and our lives are more consumed with tech. We have better smartphones and we both work for Trinity Mirror and we know that mobile traffic goes up and up and up and up. And so that means people are frowning at their phones more often. That's the view of the world that Charlie Brooker says he has, that the world of Black Mirror is someone frowning at their phone. And actually, we know from Chartbeat, which is how we look at our traffic and our stats in the newsrooms, that, um, that people are, reading more on their phone, certainly more about content. So that has changed in just the last seven, eight years, certainly since 2011. So our world looks more like the kind of screen-heavy worlds of Black Mirror.
1: What, you know, a major finding over the last few years has been how just tech has kind of just taken off. And it's like the first thing that you touch in the morning now isn't, you know, it's it's, it's nothing but your smartphone. Uh, That's the first thing people touch in the morning, that's the majority, and the last thing they touch at night. And that's interesting as well, because you see that, and um, they cannot, they cannot bottle this story up. As soon as it breaks, it's gone. And people are in their bed, and you know, you see that really good. And um, you, you see that that couple in bed throughout the whole thing, kind of in various scenes. And I'd actually forgotten about that as well. I'd forgotten that Charlie Brooker was dropping us into these like living rooms and bedrooms across the land, and you were seeing how these people were reacting to it. Um, and there's that, there's that great line when they're all in um, talking about, you know, this. What the demand is, and it's almost as if, like, the prime minister's the, one of the last people to find out this demand actually. I mean, when you think about like, um, there's something like you know, 100,000 people seeing it on Twitter, uh, on Twitter and YouTube, things like that. Um, it's you know, the, the news companies are sitting on it, but kind of everyone knows apart from the prime minister. I thought that was really, really, um, really, really clever from Charlie Brooker, actually.
0: You're right, that's a really good point. I'd forgotten about the way, basically, Charlie Brooker invented Gogglebox on the national anthem. We do. See everyone waking up in the morning, waking up to this news. There's a whole NHS hospital full of people who are watching it. And one of the one of the women, I don't know if she's a nurse or a doctor, but she tries to switch it off. And one of the guys says, no, we're watching history.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, history indeed. And um, you're right about the prime minister being the last to find out. He gets woken up because the last thing they want to do, this government, is ring him up and say and say this sentence to him. We can imagine what the sentence is. And Mm. so they leave it to the last second. And he seems so delightfully old fashioned. Rory Kinnear's fantastic prime minister. But in terms of understanding how digital works, he's way back in the noughties. Surely you could put the lid on this. No, digital files are copied really easily. They put it on YouTube. Come on. Yeah,
1: I know that was uh, he does strike me as very um, very very conservative and um Rory Kinnear is just ideal to play that character as well. And I thought that's really interesting as well um, the first shot of the episode compared to the last shot of the episode. So obviously the first shot of the episode is them waking up in bed. Um and we all know you know we've I think we briefly discussed it um, just in passing that one of my lasting impressions from any black mirror episode is that last scene at the end with the wife and Rory Kinnear. Um and it's just very, very powerful. And that kind of like mirror image, how things have gone from one year to the next, it's just really, really powerful, really, when they woke up, wake up from bed together and then you've got that emotional kind of scene at the end. Almost heartbreaking in a way, the way that she just walks up the stairs. I think that's just beautifully done, really.
0: Yeah, the last the lot scene where he bows his head slowly and it's... It's like a tableau at the end she's she's disappeared up the stairs and she won't speak to him and and he's kind of on his own, and we know from later black mirrors from the news tickers that they divorce but what what really struck me about this this episode is it goes at the media in a way we probably don't see again maybe until hated in the nation but you know how the broadcast stations initially don't want to take this video and they say well how do we deal with it we can describe it we can't use any profanity we'll say that he's been asked to commit an act and all of this stuff so they're kind of tiptoeing around it and you kind of trying to think you know if we were in the newsrooms and this happened we'd be having similar conversations because trinity mirror is also in the audio and visual world we're making a podcast and so we'd have these conversations, but while they're having these conversations, other people are just chucking it onto the internet, not filtering it through editorial judgment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the open secret, isn't it? Uh, it things that We've seen so many instances of this over the last few years as well, things like super injunctions, you know, things that just don't work in the social media sphere. Um, and, you know, yeah while news websites won't have that conversation you know there's a kid in a pub somewhere whose mum's the landlady and he'll have that conversation and you see that really good um really good scene where he kind of has to explain to her his mum um oh i assume is his, his mum um uh you know what what the what the request is because no news sites are broadcasting it yeah yeah that's really interesting actually
0: it's it's scary how much brooker knows about the workings inside a news organisation and, and you do see the absurdity of the news organisations, the establishment, I suppose, or what's meant to speak truth to power, um, they they are kind of muzzled and yet on the internet it's free reign and do laws apply or not? And we've seen post Lord McAlpine that laws can apply to what you say on Twitter. Um, even the term winky face can get someone in trouble because of what it might mean if you put it in context. But back at this time, it was before all these things that happened and the internet was really the wild west and we still don't know how to legislate the internet really do you use english libel laws do you use american libel laws how do you choose between them
1: and that's almost kind of like the overriding message as well isn't it because the message is well yeah, this is a heinous act for a prime minister to commit, but the prime minister wouldn't have to commit it. At some on some level, the public weren't wanting to see it, and it's the whole thing about taking the power away from the government and taking it into the people with the smartphones, people with the video platforms. Um So it's kind of like this, this groundswell movement to get the prime minister to do this thing, and it's also like it has to, it has to has to take them seeing it happen for them actually finally to be disgusted it's almost as if you know the princess getting kidnapped isn't disgusting enough the you know the princess supposedly having limbs chopped off isn't isn't you know isn't disgusting enough they they need they need this depraved act and this kind of like there's this sadistic need and you see that with how quickly the, the public vote goes from kind of like everyone's kind of against it but you know deep down really wants to see it to just everyone flat out coming out in support of this this act and the Prime Minister stepping up like a hero to do this. I and mean, it just shows how quickly... I mean, that's probably... That's one of the criticisms that I had when I first watched it. But what, re-watching it, I thought it was actually really quite clever. I remember the first time I watched it, and thought, well, it'd take more than just a finger to get chopped off. But it's almost as if, like, what, re-watching it, you realise how desperate from the start everyone is to see this act happen.
0: Yeah, I think, obviously, blood is spilled, and I think that would change public opinion. I do think in the years since... We have seen the fun the public can have with a vote that, yeah, I think you know where I'm going with that. To make the public act in in this way, the puppet master is actually a supposed artist called Carlton Bloom who actually ends up killing himself. The fact that he lets the princess free 30 minutes before the prime minister starts to... Have sex with a pig on live TV shows that it was never about the pig. It's about what kind of power mass media could have over people, and how actually that's probably more powerful than the government in the internet age. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It just shows the the, um, the government's ineptitude again. Like that. I mean, that that last line when they they can't let the prime minister know that they've got CCTV of her um, walking the streets thirty minutes before it happened, uh, and, and that and the DNA of the finger. It just it just. It's just, again, it's another way of just seeing that the government is just completely, completely inept.
0: They're so behind technology and it is very much set in the present day and it is very much something that could have happened then and now. But in the national anthem, we're kind of complicit with the audience inside the national anthem because we want to know what happens. We don't necessarily want to see the prime minister do something like that. We really want to know what's going to happen. Is someone going to die? Like I've got to keep watching. It is a compelling show. Even that first episode.
1: So many, so many of these real incidents are shown on TV. Um, And uh, you know, at the end of the day, is it saying something about us? Do we like the bloody details? Do we like this sadistic nature of watching this unfold in front of us? And there's, there's almost like a voyeur, voyeurism in it. And it's uh, it's really, really interesting on so many levels, this first episode.
0: Around the time this episode came out, looking back, I was thinking of leaving my first job working at a news agency. And they were starting to ask us to go and find footage of events on, on Vimeo and YouTube in particular. So when Gaddafi was killed, I, I was tasked with finding kind of footage. And there was some, there was some really graphic details to this footage. And so we were in the very early era of verifying stuff I'd give it to an editor they would take it off for of verification I wouldn't see it again and I didn't know what the next steps were because I was very junior in the team and they they would pay the citizen journalists that's a term that's gone out of use now and so we were on the cusp of something I was thinking about strongly and and kind of precipitated me leaving was well where is the line between a news agency that should be first on the ground and getting the first footage and having the stringer out there get this and social media, which might have the first footage, but it's by someone who's not NCTJ-trained or BJTC-trained broadcast or news. Where's the line between journalists and someone who just happened to be there? And I was starting to think social is looking a lot more interesting than being in a traditional media environment. It seems to be quicker, and more nimble. And that, that, aren't, that still hasn't been answered, I think. That question is still there. And I think you probably need both. You need editorial judgment, but also the access, someone there on the ground, someone who's quick to get footage or evidence of the event as a first draft of history.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, the news outlets still get those comments now, don't they? If something's happening and, and news comments approach people for pictures and stories, sometimes there'll be comments going back saying, well, you know, you're a journalist. Do I have to do a job for you? Why aren't you there? Things like that. You know, media outlets can't be there all the time, but it's, the, the public love being a part of that story. They love kind of seeing their name up there with the credit and things like that. If there's a, if there's a big crash on the motorway and and you've got multiple angles of this thing and multiple uh, media as well so you've got video pictures you've got um quotes in the 21st century everyone's kind of contributing to new media being a part of a story in a way and that's what this black mirror episode is telling us as well
0: the artist who sets this whole thing up colton bloom he's actually thinking audience first which is very smart (laughs) and ahead of his time but going back to the journalist in the story malika Looking at her actions, how she gets her story and what happens to her in the end, and I hope she's okay because she's shot in the leg. What do we think Charlie Brooker thinks of the media at this point in time?
1: Probably about five months on from News of the World chatting. Yeah, I mean, that just says it all, doesn't it? Um, You've got this journalist who is willing to do anything to get a story when, you know, some of her competitors aren't probably willing to go all the way with it. But you you get a journalist who's, you know, willing to do anything and you see that um obviously in the toilet scene when she gets her contact uh, to give her some information on the sly um and i think that just got it, it's it's kind of like it's very of the of the moment i always think isn't it because i'm not sure whether that could happen in a in a news kind of based episode based in 2017 i'm not sure because there's probably another these days there's probably another way to get that story
0: as a malika ends up shot down she survives, it looks like she's going to live, but you know, her leg is extremely bloody and uh, it's, not, it's not a nice conclusion for her. Yeah. And as a journalist, her methods are super dirty.
1: Very, very seedy and she gets her just desserts. I think that's probably the message that Charlie Bricker wants us to take away.
0: He's got a very low opinion of, of our industry at this point in time. It's not surprising from someone who, number one, goes on to make screamwipe and newswipe which are very satirical about how the media works and he uses the ukn so his version of the bbc because the bbc does exist in this episode certainly so his ukn which he uses throughout black mirror and usn becomes the us version he does use those tickers for easter eggs and to get across some plot points so he he uses the media he creates within black mirror so he understands the the point of it and the necessity of it but at the same time he's deeply satirical in that first episode he's it looks like it's the He's having a pop at prime ministers and governments. I say the media, really, the, the real target.
1: Without naming names, you could probably imagine if this story was happening in real life, which news outlet or which news large news organisation these this journalist would
0: work for. Yeah, I think he, he does make the point that it's not the BBC. Mainstream media is meeting the internet. And I would say that, that theme, how does technology disrupt the lives we've all been leading. It's, for me, it's like the invention of the printing press. It's that big a deal.
1: We're watching it back, and I never picked up on this in the first one. It, a lot, there are a few hints um, about the royal family versus... The government, there was just, there's just a couple of moments. And to be fair, it's probably me just reading in too much into it. But I, I did think that it, to, it stopped me a couple of times. There was a couple of lines that stopped me and thought, oh, that's interesting. Or, you know, that's interesting as well. Um there was a few, uh, there was one about the car intercepted or oh, and the fact that the princess had insisted she, you know, she was going kind of against government guidelines and things like that. It it kind of like, I don't know, it it set it up as if it was like the royal family versus the government. And obviously in situations like this, there's only going to be one winner. I I just wondered what you thought about that. Did you pick up anything on that?
0: Well, there's that point where the queen rings the prime minister up. And it's like, you will do your best. And that's a royal call and he has to take it. And there's there's a huge, like, Brooker comic element of it's about the pig. But also, yes, the power is... comes from her and she's saying this is a member of my family they are in danger and you are going to do something about it I'm super polite but we all know who's issuing the commands here so definitely there are little moments where you see where the real power lies
1: yeah definitely absolutely what did you think of the wife
0: what can you say about someone's emotions and when something like this happens to a marriage and also being married to the prime minister in itself I think must be hard work I don't think Rory Kinnear's prime minister did this and said yes to committing this act because of power i think he felt strong armed into it because if the princess was killed he would have blood on his hands and for that reason i think her reaction's is a little unfair having said that how does a marriage survive
1: and it's also it's, it's like how does a how does a relationship survive being th- this played out in public almost
0: yeah and i think that's that's where we have to go to understand her reaction there's an epilogue and we're getting to the end of the episode and there's an epilogue a year later <laughs> the, the news organizations are reporting on the anniversary of this incident amazing <laughs> and again there's there's another really horrible future prediction they're at some event at a school and there's a news ticker and it says a Tilsdale fire inquiry here's the 909 calls of the victims trapped in the tower which is far too close to grenfell for for anyone so there's this imaginary tillsdale inquiry into a tower block that does pop up here and there on news tickers so that goes along the bottom it's a year later things have moved on they've not been forgotten the prime minister's um, approval ratings are pretty high and he and his wife are out and about at the school and they seem happy but they walk back through the door into 10 downing street and she just walks up the stairs and won't speak to him and he's kind of crying out for attention and then he bows his head and and it kind of lingers on that final shot of a of a marriage that will never be repaired and it does bring it down from a huge government royal family internet level is macro level down to two people and i think that that's the kind of template for black mirror to come that it's always about human loss and about love gone wrong or hopefully right sometimes and it's always about the human collateral at the end of the day
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, it is about the human collateral. And it's about our relationships and things like that. And what happens to these relationships when they are strained and they're put under the microscope and they've got all these things flying at them and they're just being stretched and stretched and stretched. Um, and it, uh, more often than not, we see that it's absolutely irreparable.
0: It's it's a proper sad ending with no satire in it. The tone changes in that moment. And it's done very deftly, I think. you You have to know what you're doing to get us to feel sorry for the Prime Minister at the end there. So quite the first episode. It, it did yeah. get me hooked.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, it's it's that way. With the, when she walks in, they close the door. It's 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 really, really well played because her, her complete kind of demeanour just absolutely shifts. It goes from very, very, um, it, it's like she's put on the facade for the public. So she's very, very stoic and very, very loving towards her husband. They shut the door and it just goes cold.
0: So thanks to James Roger for Skyping in to talk to me about the very first episode of Black Mirror, the national anthem. If you've got any thoughts about our conversation today or about the episode itself, then please do tweet either at Black Mirror Cracked. The handle is Black Mirror, which is Black Mirror and then C with three R's after it. Or you can tweet me directly, Sachandra C. Both of these handles are on whichever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Do get in touch, love to hear from you and uh, know what your thoughts are. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars, tell your friends, your family about it and uh, any farmyard animals you happen upon along your way. And uh, let's get as many Black Mirror fans listening as possible. Until next time, goodbye.